summary of the Sikha. In our Parsha, it talks about three situations of sins that involve not just an individual, but either the community or the leaders. It first talks about the Kayin Godel that committed a sin and the kind of karm that he has to bring. Then it talks about a sin that was committed by the entire people because the Sanhedrin gave a ruling in error about something which is, a, which is actually a sin. They said it was permitted. People acted on their uh, advice, on their ruling, and they committed that sin, and therefore a carbon has to be brought, one carbon on behalf of the entire community. And then it talks about the Nasi, which means the king will commit a sin. So that's what we're going to talk about right now. Start with that. From the pos- in the Pasuk it says, if the leader will commit a sin, and he will do one of those mitzvahs that uh, commit a, you know, violate a mitzvah, so he has to bring a korm chatas, a specific type of korm chatas. So Rashi quotes the word, asher nasi yechta, if the leader will sin, and he explains, asher means ashrei, praiseworthy, or fortunate is, ashrei ador, fortunate is the generation that its king, its nasi, pays attention, is conscientious about bringing about atonement for his inadvertent sin. How much more so that he would also regret a willful sin. That's how Rashi explains it. This comes from the Gemara, from Teres uh, Koenim, from the Medrash, Gemara, it's a, it's a drush, a drush, a medrash on the word Ashrei, and the Gemara explains that the reason is because over here, usually it says Im, in the previous two that I mentioned, by the Kayin Gadol and by the people, it says, if they will sin, im. Here it says, asher, when he will sin. So the Gemara questions, why does it say, change the wording? Teaches that it's te- telling us, ashrei, the word asher is ashrei, praiseworthy is the king, is the generation. But we have to understand, because there are other interpretations of this word ashrei, which are much simpler, and they talk to the, to the Shuddha Mikra. For instance, the Ebenezer says that it simply means since it follows what it said, that if the entire people will sin, so here it says and if the one that committed the sin is the, is the king. That's all it means. That's how the Ebenezer explains it. The Ramban explains it. That it means if it should come to pass, when it should come to pass that the king committed a sin. In other words, they're both explaining it in a very down-to-earth way. But Rashi, for some reason, goes to the Medrash. He doesn't even say the simple meaning of the word. He goes straight to the Medrash. Why does he do that? Another question, another few questions. Why does Rashi say, praiseworthy is the generation? Why is the generation praiseworthy? Because the king regrets his sin. What does it got to do with the generation? Also, how are they fortunate because their king regrets his sin? And what does all this have to do with this discussion in the Torah, which is that if the king commits a sin, he has to bring a carbon. What is the, the generation is fortunate? What has it got to do with that whole discussion? Another thing, in the Gemara, in the Medrash over there, it explains why the generation is fortunate, because the people learn a lesson from the king. If the king uh, brings a carbon, how much more so that the ordinary people should bring a carbon and so on. So that explains why they're fortunate too. But Rashi doesn't quote this at all. He doesn't bring that part of the Gemara. 
he totally ignores that part of it. So according to Rashi, what is it that makes the people fortunate? Another thing, the Gemara says, praiseworthy is the generation that their leader brings a karmachatas for his sin. Rashi changes it. He says, praiseworthy is the people that their leader, noisen lev, which means is conscientious about bringing atonement for his for his uh, inadvertent sin. Not that he brings a carbon, he's conscientious about seeking atonement for his sin. Why does he make that change? So we begin to explain. The reason that Rashi doesn't say that it's a medrash is because Rashi already pointed out earlier that this is a medrash. He doesn't have to tell us that this is a medrash. We know already that it's a medrash. How do we know that? Earlier, when it talks about the Kayan, the Kayan Godel that committed a sin, so the Pasuk says, if the Kayan HaMashiach, which means the Kayan Gadol, will sin, by the fault of the people. It becomes the fault of the people. So Rashi explains, the simple meaning, according to the Agada, according to the Medrash, is that when the Kayan Gadol commits a sin, it, is, it becomes the problem of the people, because he's the one that seeks atonement for them, and he's the one that pra- prays on their behalf. So if he committed a sin, that's also runius for them too in other words that Rashi brings out that this drawing this connection between the one who committed the sin and the people and how it affects them is a thing based in Medrash it's founded in Medrash it's not the simple meaning it's a Medrash which explains the simple meaning so we already know that drawing a connection between the king and the people on, in regards to his sin is a matter of Medrash so Rashi doesn't have to point that out again for this reason, Rashi also doesn't accept that the reason why the people are fortunate because of the king's committing a sin and the way he deals with it is not because they learn a lesson from him as the Gemara made it. The Gemara made it as they learn a lesson from him that they too need to seek atonement. It's not about that because if that's what it was about, so why does the Torah wait until it talks about the king and then say that the people are fortunate? What about the Kayin Gadol? He committed a sin. He brings a Karb Machatas. Why don't we take that same lesson from the Kayin Gadol that brings a Karb Machatas? The same lesson is there. Why does he wait till here? In fact, by the Kayin Gadol, not only doesn't he say how fortunate are the people they can learn a lesson from him, there he says it's the ruination of the people. It's Ashma Sa'am. They have responsibility here too. The opposite of saying that how fortunate they are. Therefore, Rashi accepts that it has nothing to do with learning a lesson from the fact that he, uh, he does tshuva, that he brings a carbon. It's something else altogether that has to do with the king specifically and doesn't pertain to the Kayin Gadol, and that's why the Torah doesn't bring that medrash, that uh, drosha from the Kayin Gadol. He waits until the king in order to teach us this lesson. But to understand what that is? So to explain, when it says Asher Nasi Yechta, there are two questions that can be asked. The word Asher, in the most literal sense, is a connective word. It means that we're still continuing the, the discussion of earlier. We, are, we had a discussion. The continua- continuation of that discussion is connected to the previous discussion. What we're going to be talking about now pertains to what we said before. So before... It talked about the sin of the people when all the, the uh, sorry, the karmachatas, which is brought on behalf of the entire community. And then it talks about the king that commits a sin. What's the connection between the two? 
Why does the word Asher appear here? A second question. Since we're saying, the Torah by saying the word Asher, is trying to say how fortunate are the people that have such a leader, it would seem that that should not be said by Asher Nosi Yechta in regards to the fact that he committed a sin, but maybe in the next Pasuk where it says that he will bring his uh, carbon for atonement, that's where it should say how fortunate the people are. What's the sense of connecting the fortune, the, how fortunate the people are to the fact that their leader committed a sin? Wait till the next puzzle where you talk about atonement. That's why Rashi says that the, the lesson, the, the fortune, the good fortune of the people is connected not to his bringing a karmachatas, but to the way he treats the sin that he committed. As will be explained now. In the previous parsha, it talks about if the people, as we explained before, if the, all the people commit a sin based on the teaching of the Sanhedrin. And yet, the Pasa calls it chatas hakolhu. It is the sin of the people. What are they expected to do now? They have to bring a karb machatas. The karb machatas means they have to bring a sin, not each one individually, but all together. And just like in the personal karb machatas, it has to come along with a feeling of regret. So also, when you bring a karb machatas on behalf of the whole community, it should, has to come along with a feeling of regret. But the question is, what kind of a regret could a Yid feel because the Sanhedrin told me to do so and so and I listen to what the Torah says which is when the Sanhedrin tell you to do something that's what you should do and now it turns out that they were wrong what kind of regret am I supposed to feel for that? That's why Rashi says that's what this Pasuk is talking about the next Pasuk which starts talking about the Nasi is a fallback to the previous question. How do the people feel regret? I'll explain it to you. Ashrei Hadir, praiseworthy is the people that sees their king commit a sin, and what is his reaction to a sin? Noisen Lev, Rashi changes from the words of the Gemara. Not he brings a carbon. Anybody brings a carbon. That's they're also bringing a carbon. He wants to talk about the, what's novel about the way the king reacts to it, which is, Noisen Lev, he's conscientious about bringing a carbon. He feels that a terrible thing happened. He feels that a horrible thing happened. He committed a sin. It's about the way he treats his sin, not about the way he brings his carbon. And when the people see that the king when he commits a sin, he feels this terrible regret. It's not just about bringing the karmachatas. So they understand that even though it's an inadvertent sin on their part, because the uh, Sanhedrin ta- um, guided them incorrectly, but, the re- but a sin was committed. So they feel that there needs to be regret just because a sin was committed, even though it was inadvertent. That's the meaning of Ashrei. That's when you bring people to be on the level of Ashrei that they are so fortunate that they regret a sin that is not even their fault for the most part. Because when could you call a people fortunate when they don't commit sin to begin with? Not somebody that commits sins and, uh, and brings a karmachatas. That's not yet on the level of how fortunate are you. And that's why it doesn't say ashrei in regards to the kayin gadol. It only says it in regards to the king because the role of the kayin gadol is that's what the people see the Kayin Gadol do. When they commit a sin, they bring Karbanas, he brings, brings atonement for their sins, he prays on behalf of them, 
and uh, seeks uh, atonement for their sins through his, uh, through his tefillah, through his prayer. So his role in the community is, when you commit a sin, you seek atonement. That's what the Kayengodl brings out. The king doesn't have that kind of a role. He leads the people. So therefore, he, doesn't, he evokes not a feeling of, if you commit a sin, seek atonement. He f- evokes a feeling, be a mensch. Conduct yourself according to the way you should to begin with. Don't commit sins and then seek atonement. Don't commit sins in the first place. And that's why Ashrei only pertains to the king and it can't be addressed to the results that the Kayengodl might bring out, which is, a sin is committed, but you seek atonement. To understand it from the inner dimension, from the way Chesidus understands it. The difference between the Kayengodl and the, and the king in the role of how they influence the people is, the Kayengodl brings out a feeling of love to Hashem on behalf of the people, on the part of the people. The, the king brings out a feeling of Yira, of Kabbalah soil on behalf of the people to Hashem. Ava means it's the source of every Ava is the motivation for a mitzvah saseh. I love Hashem, what does He want me to do? And therefore, what's, if a commit, person commits a sin, the next step is bring a carbon. That's what the Kayin Gadol brings out. A king, which is the motivation for not committing a sin to begin with, which is the Shasal Loisa said, don't do what Hashem doesn't want you to do because you have reverence and fear of Hashem so his role is to prevent you from doing a sin to begin with committing a sin to begin with a little more of a subtle understanding of this idea the Kayengadl which evokes Ava Ava we know is a comes from within the person Ava when you love something it is I love something it always brings to into focus also yourself, the self, the yesh of the person. As expressed by the words yesh mishoyev, somebody that is expressing love means that he's also part of that relationship. I love so and so. If you allow that, very, it could be very subtle by tzaddikim and so on when they express love to Hashem, but when it filters down into the ordinary people, that feeling of self can lead to the Nefesh of Bahamas becoming dominant in his feelings. He takes control because of his, you know, it's me, it's about me. And even though it's not yet in the, in the realm of sin, it's just in the realm of neutral area, but I, the Nefesh of Bahamas becomes dominant, eventually it could lead also to a sin, to an inadvertent sin, but it could lead to a sin. The king who evokes fear of Hashem, reverence of Hashem, fear is, causes a separation. It shows the distance between me as a subject and the person who I fear and who I revere. So it doesn't allow for my own personal ego. It evokes a feeling of bittle, of complete subservience to that person, or to Hashem in this case. And therefore it doesn't allow a person to get into the realm of sin at all. Speaking in terms of our personal avoda, how does that translate into our personal avoda? A person is a small wor- is a small world. So the king can be. The, what's the king of the body? The king of the body is the brain. The word king, melech in Hebrew, is the the mayach, lev, which means the heart, and and and, and the kavod, which means the liver. Melech is the three dominant organs of the body. 
but the first letter represents the king of the word itself which is the brain the brain when can you call a person um, a fortunate person living up to an, a high standard when the king Neusen Lev as Rashi says the words the king Neusen Lev which means is conscientious but here it can be interpreted the king is in control of the heart the king directs the heart the king Neusen Lev he is the one that gives instructions to the heart that every person is able to have his brain control his heart and not allow the heart to reign free to do whatever it wants and that's how a person is controlled and doesn't allow himself to get into sin and that's why it's called the fault of the people because even if you commit an inadvertent sin you have to know that it's because you allowed your heart to take control you allowed the Nefesh of Bahamas to become dominant which eventually led you into sin but if you want to be ashray, the heart, the brain has to control the heart. And if a person commits a sin, ends up committing a sin, so then what do you do now? You have to know the, the, the brain, the, the melech, the nasi, noisen lev, has to feel the regret in the heart. There has to be this feeling of how horrible it is that I committed a sin even though it's inadvertent. And when you do that, so then that subdues the Nefesh of Bahamas and that controls evil and that puts it back into its place where it needs to be. And eventually, when a Yid will control, it will, the brain will be the, the, in control. That will eventually quickly bring Mashiach Tzidkena, which will, then will, David will be the king of all the people and Hashem will be the king of the whole world. And uh, Hashem will be the king of the whole world.